Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So church, this morning you're in for a treat. We... Um you're going to have two people preaching you today, possibly even three. So I hope you haven't made any hard and fast lunch plans. <laughs> Siobhan shared some things with me this week. And I just, as he was sharing, I just knew that that, that was the heart of the Lord. So I've asked Siobhan to, to open up this morning and to, to share those thoughts. And I'll pick up from where he leaves off. So Father, we just bless Siobhan this morning. We thank you for this young man, for his heart for you. We thank you that he is hearing from you. And we thank you that through him this morning, we too will hear from you. So we pray your grace be upon him as he shares to articulate that which you have placed on his heart. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So, I hope you guys have time. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not going to speak long. Um, suppose, am I, am I on? Can you hear me now? Sure. So, I don't know if you've realized this, but we it seems as if like there's expectation that's rising within our congregation. Like every meeting, every time we gather together, the presence of the Lord seems to just show up. And it's very exciting for me. I love His presence. And so, um, this, this has come out of, of Monday night prayer meetings and Wednesday evening worship, sh- worship sessions. And, um, and so last week, uh, Pastor Andres preached, and that was so good. And at the end of the service, he came to me. I was standing at the, at the back uh, over there by the counter, and he said to me, Siobhan, you know, I want you to, to really pray and seek the Lord because he gave each of us a challenge. What's the Lord saying to you to do in this next season for the move of God to take place in your life? And so I took that seriously. I thought about it very hard. I prayed. And Wednesday morning, we had a prayer meeting uh, in, the, in the kitchen there for the pastors in Pinelands. And while we were praying, uh, I just kept thinking about the scripture in Acts chapter 3, where Peter's praying, uh, he's preaching after he heals the, the man that was lame all his life at the beautiful gate. And this man follows him into the temple. And Peter starts preaching because the people are amazed. Right, the presence of God has shown up, and someone's gotten healed. And so Peter preaches this amazing sermon, and he gets to this point where he transitions the sermon from Jesus is here, he's done this amazing thing, now it's your turn. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 to 20. He says, 21, sorry, he says this, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. And so I've been praying for a very long time, Lord, refresh us. Lord, I want refreshing to come. God, I want a fresh excitement of your presence. I want us to have an expectation for you to do wonderful and marvelous things in us. And I was praying for this all the time. For months now, I've been praying for this. And on Wednesday, the Lord took me to Acts. 
And he said, well, what precedes the refreshing is repentance. And if we are not willing to bend the knee to say, Lord, come and do what you want to do, the refreshing won't come. But the beautiful thing about this refreshing is that it comes from the presence of the Lord. Right? The refreshing is not going to come through relief. The refreshing won't come through an increase financially, but we pray that happens. Uh, the refreshing won't come from man-made stuff. The refreshing will only come from His presence. Right? And the beauty of it is, I have sensed the increase of His presence. So it's not that, that we need to do this and then God will. No, God has already started the refreshing. Will we jump in and catch the wave? And the way in which we catch the wave is by praying, God, grant us the gift of repentance. That we may actually hear your heart, be softened, and go with you. So that's all I have to say. I'm going to pass the microphone now. Amen. You know the Lord's wanting you to flow in the Spirit when your iPad decides to conk out. It's all right, I do know, praise God, where I'm going this morning. Can any of you tell me what verse really is meaningful or prophetic over our fellowship at this time? Well done, thank you, Paul. Isaiah chapter 60, first few verses. I want to read it to you again. It says, Arise, shine. I'm going to do it again. Look at the person next to you. Shine. <laughs> if you have to tell the person you're shining, you're probably not. <laughs> For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. As we were praying on Monday night, Pastor Frank said something. He sat here and he said, you know, if somebody says to you, arise, what does it mean? It means that you're either in a seated or in a prone position, right? I mean, it would be futile for me to tell you to arise if you were already standing, wouldn't it? And what this really speaks into is a posture, a posture of the heart. To say that we either could be, you know, it could be an apathetic, it could be disinterested. What it means is, and, and here's the picture that I saw as we were praying. I saw somebody standing to take hold of or to step into that which God created them for, into the picture that is in God's mind for them. Is it a bit loud? Okay. Sorry? It's just, is it okay? All right. Sorry. I'm hearing all kinds of echoes, as you can hear inside my head. There's a lot going on in there. You cannot put on a mantle from a seated position. A mantle is a coat, really. Amen? It is something that you put on. But scripturally... A mantle represents something. It represents position. It represents authority. It represents purpose or calling. Much like a title would. 
A teacher or a principal, when they stand in front of the class, demands a certain respect. Why? Because of their title. They can lose that respect, but nonetheless, because of who they are in that position, they carry a measure of influence and a measure of authority. And when this verse, the one thing that's really striking me about this verse is that when God is calling you and I to arise, very often, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, I, my mind immediately goes to the place of, I've not been doing what I'm supposed to have been doing. I have been lax. I have not been pressing in enough. I have not been praying enough, reading the word enough. I have not been diligent enough. I need to do more fasting. And all of these things are most likely true <laughs> and good and accurate. But the thing that I saw so clearly on Monday night as we were praying is that God is calling you and I to arise because there is a mantle He has for you. And there is a ring that He has for you. And there is a journey ahead that He has planned for you that He is wanting you to, to rise up and step into. And this is the time and this is the season. You can sit and watch people doing their thing or you can get up and be a part of what God is doing. And there is a wave in the Spirit coming. Years ago, I used to bodyboard, boogie board, whatever it was. I tried surfing once or twice, but for that you had to stand up. And uh, that was tricky. <laughs> and I never got to the beach often enough, and I didn't have a surfboard, so boogie boarding is what I did, and I still enjoy bodyboarding when I get the chance. What happens when you sit out in a bodyboard is you, 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 you make your way through the rough stuff in the front, and you, you duck dive and you make your way out to where the swell begins so that you can catch the larger waves. So that you can ca and, and there's certain points you want to catch it because a wave breaks in a pattern, depending on the landscape. But you want to get out behind the small stuff in the beginning. And what you wait for is a swell to come in. And when a swell comes in, you will have a set. A set of waves. It's not one wave, but there's a set where suddenly the waves begin breaking a little further back because the swell is coming and there's more pressure and there's more force coming. And then you can catch the bigger and the better waves. But you have to catch the wave. And that takes effort. You have to have the timing right. And you have to get in the right place. And I think this is the time and a season where God, there's a wave of God's presence. There's a wave, as Shavon has said, there's a, an expectation. There's a sense that God is moving and there's a swell taking place. And I want to encourage you, don't just sit on the beach and watch the surfers. Get out into the water. We've spoken about Ezekiel 37, 47, 47, which talks about going deeper, ankles, knees, waist, all the way in. I want to say to you, get into the water. Grab your boogie board, start paddling, and get out because there is a wave coming. You see, God is wanting you to step into, to rise up and to step into something that He has created for you and called you into. He's wanting a return of focus, a return to His plan. And there is no, in my mind, as I was praying through this, there's no better scriptural calling or a reminder of this than the parable of the lost son. We'll find it in Luke chapter 15. And I just want to spend a little bit of time working our way through this this morning. We, we often know it as the parable of the prodigal son. But I want to spend some time reading it with you this morning. It says this, this is Jesus teaching about the kingdom and what it's like. He says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. 
So he divided to them his livelihood. It's interesting to note there that when the, when the father divided to them, he didn't just give the one son his livelihood. He gave both his sons their livelihood. He said, all right, well, if you want this now, then here you go. Both of you boys, here is your inheritance. I release this to you now. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country where he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal just means wasteful. It means lavish. It means, you know, abundant. He just... He, didn't, he wasn't careful with his resources. He wasn't careful with that which, which was entrusted to him. But yet we see something very interesting here. The, the real distinction between these two sons. The first son, the youngest, or the, the oldest son, though he had received his full inheritance, he still committed himself to his father's interests. Whereas the youngest son went off chasing his own interests. He had his own interests, his own ideas, his own comfort in mind, and he went after that with all his heart, and he wasted all his money on prodigal living. In other words, I think there's just there's so much in this that, that this is the life that the world is selling to you and I. You can have it now. If it feels good, just do it. Live your best life now. It's all about now. It's all about what you can get and how, how, how you can be blessed and how you can enjoy yourself. You know, tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. So live your, you know, go for it. Live your life. Enjoy it. Without any care, without any thought of, of tomorrow or about what your actions may do or how they may affect other people. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, so in other words, he's now lost everything. There arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Say unforeseen circumstances. A famine arose. His plans, I'm sure he had some plans. I'm sure he had some plans for provision. A famine arose. And there was no more, there was not enough backup. There was not enough that he had put aside. He hadn't made preparations. Unforeseen circumstances came to the fore. So often in life, it's the unforeseen things that derail us. Things you cannot prepare for because you do not know they are coming. They are unforeseen. And what they reveal to us is one thing, our lack of preparation. Some people, when COVID hit, marched right on through. They had provision. Even though they lost their jobs, some people had provision. They'd made preparation for unforeseen circumstances. Other people, when COVID hit, lost it all. They lost their businesses, they lost their houses, they lost their livelihoods, they lost everything. Unforeseen circumstances. Who could have, whoever in, one, in our lifetime could have imagined what we went through three years ago? Unforeseen circumstances. But those, I mean, if you read Psalm 1, it speaks about the man who's planted by the rivers, that even when heat comes, he will still produce good fruit. His leaves will not wither. Why? Because he has established somewhere. He has made sufficient internal spiritual preparation. And so what this young man did is he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the feeds to to feed swine, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. But listen to these words. And no one gave him anything. 
Those words really jump out at me. No one gave him anything. Why? Because in this world and in our country, we know the expression, nothing for, nothing for mahala. Nothing for nothing. You see, that is what an orphan has to deal with. An orphan does not have a mother or a father. An orphan does not have someone who, who has a plan for them, who has provision for them, who, ha- who can see destiny in them. They have to get everything for themselves. Why? Because nobody's going to just give it to them. An orphan has to make a name for himself. Many people pride themselves on being a self-made man. But that is the antithesis of what it means to be a son or to be a daughter. You see, this young man was a son. He had a beautiful inheritance that was entrusted to him. But he went and chose to live like an orphan. And here we see just the, the huge difference between a son and an orphan. Here's a young man in a vulnerable position, under a, a, doing a, a menial, horrible job, and even in the midst of that, nobody has pity on him, and nobody gave him anything. Miserable state. And you think of where he came from, where he had everything. And so there something happens. And these are, prov- these are probably the most pivotal words in the story and the most momentous words for emphasis. Then he came to himself. The son had a realization in the midst of his trial and of his struggle. And this is what he realized. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to, to, to spare and I perish with hunger. My father's servants are better off than I am in this situation. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This is such a powerful verse, because here the son, what he is doing is he is saying, look at my works. Look how bad I am. Look at how I've messed up. Make me like one of your servants. So often when we hear the call to repentance, we come to God with the same kind of attitude and say, God, look at my works. Look how I've neglected this. Look how I've done that. Look how I haven't done this. But I want to remind you this morning. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of works. Family, you don't become a son or a daughter through works. You become a son or a daughter by birth. And a son and a daughter doesn't just stop being a son or a daughter because of works. God's kingdom is a kingdom not of my marvelous works, but it's a kingdom of His marvelous grace. And so here he says to his father, I have done all of these things. Would you just make me like one of your hired servants? And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and said, yeah, this guy now, I'm going to give him such a puck's law. Because <laughs> he has wasted all my hard-earned money. And where's it now? I'm going to give this boy a piece of my mind. How many of you feel he should have done that? (laughs) If you were the father, what would you have said? But here we see something so different. While he he was away off, his father had compassion on him and ran to him 
and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer to be called, worthy to be called your son. You see, folks, worth, again, is not determined by works. Worth is determined by birth. If you are a child of God, we sang a song this morning, I was unworthy. You're right, you and I, we were unworthy. But because of Jesus, because He has washed us clean, He has made us worthy, accepted in the Beloved, that we can stand and have fellowship with God. I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy. But the Father said to His servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on Him, and put a ring on His hand and sandals on His feet. What a beautiful picture. Bring out the robe. What is the robe? That's the mantle. That says, this is my son. This is a family thing. My son is back. Put on the robe and put a ring on his finger. He's back in the house. That means he steps, he's, he's, he's got authority. He's got a position here. He's not a servant. He's a son in the house. And bring him sandals for his feet. And then bring the fatted calf here and kill it and eat and be merry. Talk about times of refreshing when you've been eating with the pigs. And be merry. Why? For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. He was lost. He was lost to me. He was lost in his own deception. But now he is found. You see, folks, this is the beautiful thing of what repentance is all about. Repentance is something that God gives us. It's the ability to turn. The Greek word for repentance is metanoin, which means a change of mind, change of the way you think. The Hebrew word for repentance means to change your direction. So when you kind of bring these two together, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of pursuit. And where the son was pursuing his own thing and it led to ruin, he came to himself and he realized, going my way, doing what I think is best for me and living for my own personal well-being is, look where it's leading me. I am not seeing the realization of the potential that I know I have because of where I come from and because of the education I most likely have. And because of the values that I ought to carry in my heart, I see there's a disparity. And so he turned. And how many of us can say, when we read the Word of God, when we read the promises that He gives us, when He tells us about, talks to us about rivers of living water that He desires to come and see, come flow out of us, when He tells us to arise and shine, and we know that we're not glorious enough to shine unless He shines through us, we realize too that there is a disparity between all the things that God promises us, all the things that God has made available to us versus our current experience. Because we're so distracted, we're so busy, so caught up in the affairs of life, running this way, running that, trying to accomplish this, concerned about our own well-being and our family, and we don't stop long enough to even lift our heads and say, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are your plans? What are your purposes? I believe in this time and season, there is a release, there is a grace. Repentance has got a bad rep. Why? Because I say, I say that because it is one of the greatest gifts of God. Without repentance, there can be no faith. And without faith, there is no salvation. 
So God gives us the ability to reorientate and to look to Him. Now, I want to say this to you. Repentance in our lives comes one of two ways. Either life will cause us to repent. Unforeseen circumstances, consequences for the decisions we have made. When these things begin to hit, we realize, like the prodigal Sunday, the pain that we're experiencing, and in our pain, we turn to God, and He accepts our repentance, and He leads us on from there. That's the one way repentance comes. But that's painful, and it's costly. There is another way repentance comes. That's when you and I decide, by our own will, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says when we do that, He will lift us up. You see, the ability to arise does not come from your works. It does not come from your strength. You cannot earn the mantle that God has prepared for you. But as you seek His face, He will cause you to arise and take that place. It's as though the mantle exists and you kind of just need to fill it out. And that's the work that God does when we set ourselves when we deliberately choose to turn away from, to say no to certain other things so that we can deliberately say yes to God. That's the only two ways repentance is granted. It's either granted because we truly desire it and we request it and we say, God, show me. I want to turn to you. I want to see Jesus in my heart and in my life. Show me the areas of my heart that grieve your spirit. Show me where I am pursuing things that are not of you. The Bible says, if you seek the Lord, He will be found. If you seek Him with all of your heart. That is a promise. And that is how we begin the process of repentance. Is we get to choose that direction. The other way, it comes at us. But this beautiful story doesn't end there. And we're going to carry on from verse 25. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. The festival was on. I don't know what kind of music he heard. I think to myself, you know, these days, if there's a party going on, you're coming in from the field, you're going to be hearing... I don't know what they were hearing. But there was a celebration going on. And so he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received... Him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He knew what that meant. There's a celebration happening. The fatted calf is prepared for a celebration. You know, fatted calf is not your Monday night meal, okay? It's not just a generic thing. That's a special calf. But he was angry and he would not go in. You see, I want you to understand two sides to this brother. We're going to get to his own gripes as well. But you see, when the, when the young son left and he squandered and he took his father's inheritance, it was the older son who stood behind and personally witnessed the father's grief. He felt the pain of the father's heart for the, son's, the youngest son's disobedience. And so he is angry in this moment because this one who has caused our father so much pain thinks he can just come back in here
But he was angry and not, would not go in. Therefore his father came out to plead with him. Isn't this beautiful? The young son comes, he returns, the father runs out to him. The father is pursuing intimacy with the son. And here the older brother doesn't want to go in. What does the father do again? He comes out. Folks, God is after your heart. He will meet you where you are. You don't have to have it all right to be in his presence. You don't have to first tick this box and do all of these things. Why? Because it's not about the works. If you are a son and a daughter of God, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, God's heart is extending itself towards you. He is reaching out to you. And the question is, will you orientate and receive him? Praise God, the younger son did not run away in shame. And praise God, here the older son listened to the voice of his father, correcting him. So he answered and said to his father, These many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. And so here we have that stinking thinking coming out again. Look at what I have done. Look at my works. I have been so faithful. I have been so good. I've been nothing like this guy. But as soon as this son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And so we see the same thinking just manifesting itself in a different way. The older son's jealousy of the younger son's forgiveness, whereas the exact same forgiveness and grace is available to him. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and he is alive again and was lost and was, is now found. You know, in both cases, I think the father would just say to his son, this is not about you. This is not all about you. So the older son is getting, do you not see what you're saying here? You want me to reject my own son because you feel affronted? How can I do that? He is my son. Do not be jealous. Sometimes we have that within the body of Christ as well. Oh, how come they get favor and I don't? Well, pastor greeted them, he didn't greet me. Why is God blessing that person? I know what they do on a Friday night. Why is God blessing their business? And I'm struggling here. Why is God blessing that one? What about me? Don't you see me? You don't, you, you don't do any of this for me, God. Why? And we resent God. We carry that. And then we go through the list like the old Sunday. God, I'm in church every Sunday. Yeah. Every, don't you remember that time, God, when I felt sick and I was still in church? You definitely owe me something for that one. Did you see how much I gave the, park, the car, God? No donkeys. I gave him a 10 rand note. Did you see what I did, God? And we begin to justify all the reasons why we deserve. Fact is, folks, you don't. The only thing that you deserve, and the only thing that I deserve, is that. We deserve the cross. Doesn't matter how much good we've done, doesn't matter how much bad we've done, we all deserve the same outcome. But yet, because of God's incredible love, we know that Jesus died on that cross so that we wouldn't have to. He died on that cross so that we could experience everlasting life. The Zoe life of God. That's more than just going to heaven one day. That's the very life force of God here and now in our situation and in our experience. 
That's the love of God that becomes shared abroad in our hearts so that we are able to love one another with perfect love, with unconditional love. That's the love that enables us to know and to remember that we are sons and daughters of God first. And that's the love that is calling out to you and to me today and saying, would you draw near to me? Because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's in this time in this season when I'm standing before you and I'm going, arise. Rise up in the Spirit. Rise up and stand. Because I've called you for purpose. I have not called you to come and sit in a church Sunday after Sunday. I haven't called you just to show up in a Bible study and say a few prayers. There's more to it than this. Your life is meant to be a blessing. Your life is meant to reach others. You are meeting people every day that I will never meet. It's not just for you to come and support the pastor and what he's doing. God did not call us to be a group of cheerleaders. He called us to be co-laborers. That means there's work to do. And that is a blessed work. God doesn't. Ne- the beautiful thing about God is that the Philippians teaches us that he works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. He never forces us, he never coerces us, he never manipulates us. But he works in us. And God is saying there's work to be done. There's work to be done. But what it's going to take is repentance. It's going to take the willful decision that you and I get to make to say, Lord, I'm going to draw near. I want to pursue the plan that you have for me. I don't want to wake up one day when it's too late and the consequences of my decisions begin begin preaching to me. I want to hear you now. I want to cooperate with you now and I want to experience your life in me and through me now. That I may know the blessedness of your presence. That I may be a blessing to those around me. As you do so, you will naturally begin to arise. You will naturally begin to shine. You will begin to feel the weight of that mantle, that responsibility, where God says to you, I want you to go and share my love with that person this way. And you'll put on that mantle. And there'll be other times when you'll be praying and you'll be looking at the situations in your life or the situations in your workplace, and God's saying, here's a ring. I want you to put on this ring, because that's a ring of authority, and I want you to begin speaking into the heavenlies by my name over that environment, over that place, because I'm sending you in there as authority. And you are going to be, as we're going to pray next week, not with carnal weapons, but with mighty spiritual weapons. You'll be bringing down strongholds. I want you to stand with your mantle and your ring on. And I'm going to give you some sandals here. Because now it's time for you to go. It's time for you to go to that person. It's time for you to go into that situation. It's time for you to go into that circumstance and be the difference simply by being my son and my daughter in that environment, simply by carrying my presence within you, shining my light in that place. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so powerful? Isn't that compelling? I don't know about you, but that that is so different from, from, from this world's way of thinking. That is so different from the striving and the struggling. There's a beautiful Father who's calling you and I out into His presence. So I want to ask, ushers, wherever you may be, would you please hand out the uh, communion emblems for me? 
we have communion this morning, and we're going to do this as part of our communion this morning. And after that, I'm going to sing a song for you that the Lord brought to my mind this morning. Thank you. Can I have two, please? Thank you. Oh, I messed up. Let's try again. Here we go. Thank you, Tanae. Hope it doesn't go down the other side. Thanks, dear. No, <laughs> thankfully not. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, we want to thank you this morning that there is a call on your heart to us. We want to thank you, Jesus, that when we were lost in sin, your love reached out. For this, the love of God, this is how we know the love of God, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Lord, I want to thank you this morning that, yes, works have a place. Works are the expression of our faith. What we do is because of what it is that we truly believe. They're a reflection of who we are. But, Lord, I want to pray that even in this morning you would begin a journey with each one of us, Delivering us out, Father God, of lies and of deception where the enemy has sown seeds, where maybe our parents have sown seeds, or our friends or our loved ones, or teachers or colleagues or bosses, whoever it may be, that they've spoken into our identity and try to measure our worth by our works. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you this morning that you are stripping us from all of that. And that our worth is not measured by what we've done or what we've failed to do, but that our worth is measured by the price you paid for us. Thank you, Jesus, that by your body and your blood we have been made sons and the daughters of Most High God. So this morning, as we are here together in your presence, let's take the bread, let's take the wafer. We say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken for us, that our sin may be forgiven, that, we, that, that, uh, that for the chastisement of our peace it was put upon you, that by your stripes we can experience healing today. Jesus, thank you for what you have made available to us through your broken body. We receive it and we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.